Hello everyone to today's Megadis podcast episode. Uh, we will cover, me together with our employee of the month, William, we will cover first a short intro of William soon. We will also cover why Megadis matter to students at the Industrial Management Engineering course. Uh, I will cover a few key learnings I've had after my university studies. William will cover his key learnings during the time at Megadils, and then we will introduce something we call the bold move that William is actually running. So William, who are you? Hi, Chris. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm uh, William. I currently study industrial engineering and management up in Lulio University, which is the same university you study in. And I'm also yes. working part-time uh, at Megadils, and I've been here for one and a half year now. Great. Who are you privately? Uh, privately, I love to ski. That's one of the reasons why I study up, up here in Luleå, to be close to the skiing resorts. And for those for those who listen, Luleå is near the polar circle. Yeah, it's very, 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 very far, far up. and very cold. So a lot of skiing. Mm. And it's also the basketball mecca in, in Sweden. So it uh, really suits me well to live up here. I'm uh, Yeah, that, that we need to we need to double click on that. So this, the Luleå basketball team, as the most Swedish championships of all. Yeah, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a, uh, yeah. It has it's been a few years since we actually won the last one. At least the men. The girls win every year, last ten years or so. Yeah, they do. Boys, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've been performing. But are are we leading the statistics for the females and men? I know we lead it for the men. Is it the same for the for the women? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. But now, oh, the, cool. yeah, oh, I think the girls yeah. won like ten ten times in a row now every year, and the men has been slacking a little right. bit since that. Right. Yeah, but the, the men were winning. I think it was eight years in a row or something. Yeah, like yeah. They were. Yeah. So, yeah, so, but... Sorry, guys, for the patri- patriotism. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm originally born a little bit outside of Stockholm uh, and uh, mm. 23, 23 years old. And I've been, yeah, I'm really excited to be to be here today. Thank you. Great, great. So uh, the first question is why Megadils matter to students at industrial management and engineering. Uh, so that university path is a combination of engineering and business. It was created sometime in the 70s, I think, because there was a growing demand for people that understood science and technology, but still were trained on business and management. So, so it's kind of a hybrid between a business school and an engineering school. And most of the students that have been studying uh, that program end up in either uh, leadership positions, not not immediately, but after a while, almost all end up in leadership positions or CEOs. But quite a lot of them are involved in larger deals, either as deal makers or from the leadership positions are involved in larger deals because the, the... the program is kind of designed around more high tech and business. Uh, so, so and in high tech, you kind of end up typically doing fairly large deals. So, I think for a for a student at the industrial management and engineering program, the whole topic of megadis is super relevant it's because regardless if you are in a leadership position, you typically are, you don't end up in the finance financial sector. You end up in leadership position in tech companies or in the business uh, leadership positions in tech companies. So for both of those, the Megadis skills and methodologies absolutely critical 
I would say. Any thoughts from you, William, on that? No, definitely, definitely. I mean, I haven't had a long career, obviously, but it's very uh, clear that when I meet alumni from industrial engineering, they're usually in some type of leadership positioning. And I think as to your point, it's because they know the tech side and they also know the business side. And just being a generalist of knowing a little bit of everything is a very good trait to have as a, as a leader, for sure. So uh, what have I learned uh, since university? So I, I think exiting university, I, I was kind of still very prestige-driven. And one of the key learnings I have, I would say the biggest, is actually rather philosophical. So I put prestige as my key driver, uh, even though it's a bit embarrassing to admit it, but I must say I did. But one of the key shifts I made, and the earlier in life you can make this, and I, I think you already have this, William, which is unusual for your age, but I, I decided when I was about 32, and, and I, I, I know the exact year because that was when I decided I need to shift my priorities, I decided to have the top priority of learning fast. So my top priority is learning fast, and I, I'm still prestige-driven, but I put it as secondary or third, or, or you know, it's not the number one. So, and it, it sounds like a small thing, but in every situation, let's say you're in a meeting, and it, this applies totally to you since you're relatively new in your career. When you're in a meeting, if you're prestige-driven and someone is talking about a topic that you don't understand, you kind of nod and pretend that you get it because that's short-term prestige. They, they think you get it. If you put learning fast, you actually go, hey, guys, I don't understand what you're talking about. And, and that's putting learning fast first. And the cool thing is that when you do that, typically after such a meeting, about half of the attendees are like, thank you, William, for asking that question. I didn't get it either, first of all. But you also, you, you can relax more and you develop faster. So if you pretend you know too often, you actually develop more slowly. But if you, are, if you go, well, I don't understand this, and you admit it, uh, you, you learn faster. But not only that, you're also perceived as a more humble person. And most, if I, if I look at the most successful people I know, and I, I know several hundred entrepreneurs, and I know a lot of CEOs of, of big corporations, the most successful people of all, all categories, regardless of, of domain, they know that they're good, but they're also very easy to be with because their shoulders are relaxed. They don't have to prove themselves in every second. And they openly say, well, William, you, you mentioned something. I don't understand what that is. Can you, can you explain it to me? So I think it's a, it's a, it's a path to success to put that first. And it's, it sounds like a small thing, but it's actually, it's actually a major thing. And, and just as a side note, a, a side note. So, so, I happen to know, uh, because I, I did a lot of team sports like you, and many that did team sports, I, I either became firemen or policemen, uh, and uh, I happen to know a lot of policemen in particular. And when I've asked them, uh, what, what is the key trait of a criminal? They say that they're very easily offended and, and very like oriented around prestige. Uh, and I, I also know an HR scientist and, and, and he had participated in a project where they looked at the um, the difference in mentality between the uh, winners of the handball World Cup compared to other handballers, and and uh, one of the key traits was this, this kind of related to this putting learning fast before prestige. Anyway, and uh, a few other things. Um, I think 
one big, and I think you've seen this live, William, uh, one big difference between uh, my mindset when I exited school compared to now is that now, and it's, it's kind of related to learning fast, but when it comes to creating new offerings or creating new companies, before I would have worked a lot uh, in my basement silently researching and trying to develop things too far. Now I go out and test sell it, even though it doesn't exist. I, I just bluntly meet potential clients of a new concept and, and test sell it to see the response. Um, and, and that's a, if you want to go the, the entrepreneur route or if you want to, in your existing company, develop new offerings, you need to be very fearless and, and go out and test sell a concept even before developing it. Because quite often you, you actually realize, oh, it was better than I thought, or it was as good as I thought, but I need to tweak it 25%, or or it's actually not as good as I thought, because there is something else that to do that we can't beat, that we were not just aware of. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I can go on and on, on, on and about, about this, but... Uh, yeah, but if you compare like the courses and the stuff that you learned in university, would you say that the five years you spent here in Lulio, would it did it like prepare you for for the next the next chapter in life? Was was uh, I mean starting your own company, working as a consultant, and all this stuff? I, I think I, I'm actually quite happy with my university years. Uh, I, I made a mix out of industrial management and engineering with one year of IT and uh, one year Italian, one year of French. So I, I made my own. Uh, mix. Uh, but I, I'm quite happy about uh, the the courses, to be honest. Um, I think the, what is, uh, even though you could as a student say, we applied too little. So there's too little applied work. And I think maybe you could add some more applied work. But honestly, there's one thing you learn in university that you almost can't be bothered to do when you exit university, which are core skills. So there is no way, I mean, maybe there exists such people. There is no way that a person that have done your program exiting school and then five years later study more mathematics. Uh, I, I think it's almost not happening. So there are certain core skills and the same with the mathematical statistics, which is a core, is a core set of tools, uh, the pure mathematics, some of the engineering stuff uh, li like uh, construction, mechanics, certain IT skills. I mean, you will develop them further, but those core skills uh, take a long time to learn. Um, and I I actually think they make total sense. So, uh, and I don't, they're so kind of, let's put it like this, they're so boring and so hard that when you exit school, most people can't be bothered. It's not like, oh, I'll do one year of extra mathematics in my free time. I don't think that happens. So I actually do think that even though the school can be criticized for being too, too unapplied, I still think that these core skills make a difference. Uh, and also the, the scientific methods you learn in school are pretty valuable, like just how to construct a problem definition, a hypothesis, and how to, to Things like learning to not jump to conclusions. Uh, people that are not scientifically trained tend to jump to conclusions based on very little data, and then they just they they make big 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 mistakes based on that. And, and also understanding 
the concept of bias. So how can I be unbiased in this discussion? Because it's very easy to be biased. If you're if you're up for a certain decision, you need to go into that discussion prepared to can it, to throw it away, even though it was your idea. So you need to be very careful about bias. And I think some of these things you, you actually learn uh, in the good university programs. And I honestly don't think you, as I said, can be bothered to bring them up uh, later in life. So. Um, and that goes back to the prestige point I just talked about that. Yeah, you should be able to throw throw out your idea if it's not good enough. And that, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and there I would say two things. So if I would do your program right now, I would add any extra course I could on two things. One is anything related to sustainability. And the second, anything related to AI. The two to big, 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 big mega moves in the market are sustainability and AI. And, and uh, there is one important thing, regardless if you wanna go entrepreneur, work at Megadeals or any of our other companies, or just a regular employee in whatever company, uh, to, to boost your career, you need to go for the things that are new. It kind of sounds maybe obvious, but if you go into, for example, pulp and paper, uh, let's say you're specialized in pulp and paper, that's an industry that's been around for ages. So. You're going in, you're fighting with people that have been doing the same thing for 30 years. They just outcompete you on experience. And it will take ages until you're competitive. Whereas if you go into the new fields, I would say sustainability is such a field. There are so many new things that in just a year or two, you outcompete the old guys. Same with AI. In one two, if you focus one, two years on it, you outcompete the old guys. So all of a sudden you become ultra important and can fast track whether you do a corporate career or entrepreneurship. You, you fast track things. So, so uh, I, I, I can go on and on, but let's stop there. So William, key, key learnings during the time at Megadeals. Uh, it's uh, been a really fun one and a half years. I started doing some stuff, which is totally pivoted to, to what I do now. And it's been uh, firstly, a lot of, a lot of fun uh, having to work two summers here now uh, and uh, Having a chance to work with you and the other leadership team and the rest of the colleagues has been a bunch of learnings. And let's start from the Megadeal sides. I learned that for me coming from school, being just fresh up the boat, it's it's very interesting to see how companies are not working with the Megadeal discipline, like how it's very uncommon in a way. Because when mm. I started to learn it, I was like, yeah, this makes total sense. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. And mm. then I- It's kind of, kind of common sense, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, yeah. Who, who wouldn't want to work like this? And then when I meet clients, they're totally amazed on how we work. And we I mean, we don't ha even have to start and we already developed, de like delivered value to them, which I thought was mm. very fascinating, which I know I'm going to have for the rest of my life, which I'm very thankful for. Uh, mm. that, that was definitely one key learning that I learned very early on. And to your point about asking questions and being fearless is, uh, I know David asked me this one time. He's like, William, like, it's so fun. Aren't you scared? And I'm like, yeah, I'm totally super scared right now, but I'm going to do it anyway because that's how I know I'm going to learn. And that's that was one thing I learned very very early on that's that, okay. But that's the, the definition of bravery is when you <laughs> shit scared, but you do it anyway. That's the definition yeah. of bravery. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I feel like yeah, sometimes maybe too much, but it's it's uh, sometimes good to be scared because you know you're doing it in the right way. Um and my dad always says that when he, whenever he has a talk or goes up on stage, 
he always says that William, the day I'm not super scared before doing it, then I'm not challenging myself fair enough, good enough. And I was like, yeah. right. Yeah. I do think, I do think you have a lot of great, uh, uh, support from your dad's career. Actually. Uh, uh, I, th I think you should be uh, thankful for that because I, I can sense that he's in the background speaking to you sometimes and sharing his experiences because he's also in the Megadia space. Right. So, 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 uh, and he's had a great career, so, so he can kind of be your second opinion on things. So I, I'm pretty sure he's, he's uh, encouraging you to, to, to do these things. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And really about broadening the, the mentorship stuff is very, very nice. Mm. So I, I listen to you, I listen to, uh, to Jonas and, and David and Bora and my dad and, and other people in my life to get like different opinions about stuff. And that is very, very important to me because I don't think it's, uh, mm. Oh, I'm gonna copy everything Chris touch. I mean, I would probably be very successful. No, no, no. no. I copy everything. No, 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 no. But you, sh no, you shouldn't. No, <laughs> no, no. You, you, you're right. You should take that. You, 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 you. We want to have a five, ten people that you monitor, and you, you pick the golden nuggets, because I mean, just to be very, very humble, I have so many flaws. <laughs> just uh, the list is long. <laughs> you don't show them though, Chris. Don't worry. <laughs> Nobody knows. Nobody knows. <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah, but definitely it's been very fun because usually I worked before the one of the largest construction companies in Sweden. The year I had the gap year I had between going from high school to university, and the culture mm. is such a big difference. Uh, it's I mean it's a large mm. corporation. Was very clear. You had a career ladder. If you didn't have your education, then you couldn't really go on the same ladder. And it was very structured. And even though I like that, sometimes uh, the mega deals, the smaller business side of being a smaller company scaling up can, I think, fits me a little bit better because you're able to do mm -hmm. so much stuff that, okay, oh, I don't really like to work in this area. Then, oh, I can just easily pivot and doing something else. Uh, instead mm. of going, having to go through a whole process of recruiting to a different area and all this stuff. I mean, it is doable mm. in a larger corporation, but it's very easy at mega deals because it's, yeah. Right. And um, cool. last, lastly, I would say paying attention because, wow, there's so much stuff that is going on and every meeting could be very valuable if you just listen up and think about the consequence of, oh, he said this, why did he say that? And what's happening after this? And yeah. And of course, le learning abbreviation is very important to do early on. So you know what a KPI or key initiative or OKRs and all this stuff. That's very important to learn early on. For sure. Yeah, acronyms. There is a <laughs> lot of acronyms in the business yeah. world. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> you and can you even invent them, like BBR, burning yeah, bridges. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, you just have to yeah create a list and and learn every 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 one of them. Or, sure. or our category that we are pioneering, deal orchestration enablement. Yeah. There's also uh, like those kind of business passwords. <laughs> <laughs> what else? What what have you kind of some golden nuggets from the discipline that, that you would highlight? Because I, I think a lot of listeners are are maybe new to what we talk about. So what are the highlights in, in doing mega deals that you would say you didn't know when, when we started working together? Uh, I I would say some of the techniques. Yeah, the, definitely the rainmaker dependency made so much sense to me early on, because it was mm. very 
it was very applicable to what I've done before in my life. It was very applicable to, and I could really understand how that could scale in a larger organization, how like, oh, a, a rainmaker actually can stand for like 80% of a revenue for a company. And yeah, right. that made a bunch of sense to me and how, how the negative disciplines tackles that in a different way and not says, mm. oh no, no, you shouldn't have a rain, you shouldn't have a rainmaker. A rainmaker is good. It's, it's perfect for a company, but how can we, yeah. that that person's time is more used in a more efficient way? I think it's, a, I think because both of you and I have, have team sport background and I think, uh, in, in a team sport, even if you look at the top, top level in the world, in both basketball and football, uh, you have rainmakers there as well. And you just um, need to acknowledge that and, and work around it. So if you take the Chicago Bulls, that I mean, that's before you were born, but uh, with, with Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen, Pippen and those guys, I mean, they had a rainmaker. Michael Jordan was a rainmaker. Everyone knew that. And they were building the game around him, you have um, Lionel Messi, he's a rainmaker. And they're not trying to uh, mold him into being an average player to be like the rest. No, they're, they know he's the rainmaker and they play around it. Um, and, and it's the same in business. So you rather should uh, use, and that's why the Megadis discipline about how can you build a model that is scalable around the rainmakers? Because even the even the biggest companies in the world have a rainmaker dependency. They just don't talk about it in front of shareholders because they would look vulnerable. But I think you just need to acknowledge it is what it is. Uh, and some of the, the superstars are not copyable. So you need to scale them instead. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Mm. That, that made so much sense to me. And obviously mm. I was very, very fascinated. I think it was the first thing I saw from mega deals when I got recruited was, uh, was the fundamental messaging was, which I thought mm. was, was made so much sense and was very, very good. And I realized that this is very hard to learn, but if mm. you can crack the code for a company, uh, it will be, yeah, especially with the category wins and loses. And yeah, uh, it was very, very good. I yeah. yeah, I think especially around how you design categories and subcategories and how they compete and how you describe them and how you even cr create and define categories. So it's easier for the buyers to understand where you sit and it from, from a positioning perspective, uh, that is, that is super, especially with tech based companies, because they typically end up describing their product and the customer misunderstand them. They go, Oh, so this, you're like this and this company. And they're like, no, we're not. Oh, then you're like them. No, we're not. So it's typically what we call category and subcategory confusion. So cracking, the categories and subcategories is absolutely critical, especially when you come with a new product to the market. And and I mean, we don't, and then, then the, like one of the inven inventions this year is the W model, which we didn't have before, which is how to, how decision is moving uh, in a big organization when you introduce a new category. Uh, I mean, those of you who want to double click on that, ping me or William, and we can send you some stuff. Uh, and what, what else? Some other highlights? Um. Let's see. I liked, uh, we, I mean, the, the land and expand meetings, which is just a meeting that we have every other week, gives a lot of value, mm. which it, also one of those things that I thought was common sense that all the salespeople had weekly meetings or bi-weekly meetings together, which when I talked to David who and, and Bora, who worked at Omex before, they were like... But they, do, no. they, do, they do typically have weekly or bi-weekly meetings, but it's only about sales. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But that How was maybe your point, like... 
but it's very, very rare to have biweekly meetings about marketing and sales in the same room uh, and around the funnel. That, that's unfortunately uh, very, very rare. So that's kind of the key thing with the land and expand meetings. How do you fully integrate marketing and sales around the key accounts and around your pipeline? Uh, that that is kind of a, a missing link. And and there's two, and then companies are wondering why can't we get marketing and sales to cooperate? You're like, well, first of all, I, there are so many flaws in that. So first of all, marketing tend to introduce uh, to to defend their turf which is a bit sad, they try to prove which percentage of the funnel that they sourced. So then you cr- you actually create a competition with sales. So you say, this is marketing originated leads. These are sales originated leads. Already there, you're defining failure. But I, I, I see, I, I think the majority of all companies are doing that, which is an absolute super mistake. Instead, you need to unite the KPIs, you need to unite the meeting, and have a special team or either use us or you build an internal team, uh, kind of the key account marketing function. Uh, I, I could say account-based marketing, but that has been so destroyed over the years. Uh, so, so it's not what it should have become. Uh, and and I, I can, I think, credibly say because we created the first product in the world around account-based marketing back in 2007. Um, it is not what it should have become. Now it's kind of some kind of campaign function. Yeah, targeting the biggest companies, but not at all synchronized with the key salespeople. Uh, and and most of the time, and even in the most sophisticated companies in the world, they we've had so many sessions where when we talk about marketing and sales in the same room, they, they introduce each other to, 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 to each other. Hi, I'm William. Hi, I'm, I'm Lisa, et cetera. And so we were like, oh, they haven't met. Uh, and then, then, and then you definitely know they're not having land expand meetings. <laughs> there, there's no bi-weekly or weekly meetings between marketing and sales. That's for sure. They don't even know each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I mean, it's it, there's so many learnings, uh, especially with the, I mean, just how we market, how we use our marketing tools f- to our advantage, and how it can you can clearly see that it's making a difference uh, in our when we're trying to land customers or, or when mm-hmm. our customers are trying to target, it's it's very clear and that's, yeah. So it's very, very fun to be in a company which is moving so fast. We're developing stuff all the time and right. Yeah, so great, great colleagues. Let's switch gears into uh, the last big point. So we have launched an initiative that we internally called the Bold Move that you are heading already, despite still being in, in your final straight of the university. So what is the bold move? So the bold move is that we really want to scale the Megadales company, but we also want, don't want to be like a middle-sized company. We want to be a large company. And to my understanding is how you build a great organization is to ha- have to build from the bottom up. So we have to find talent from an early age, from, from, from the start, and then we can build on top of that. So, so what we're doing right now is that we're hiring students that were working part-time at Megadills and that we can spot talents. We can give them jobs, which is very nice to have, especially in this economy and working as a student with student loan, uh, as well as we can scale the Megadills Mega company very, very quick, quickly. And we can mm-hmm. easily pivot on the type of tasks that these students are, are, are doing every week. I see it as a win-win. We, we can source super talent people because at least in Sweden, it's kind of uh, industrial management and and, and uh, sorry, it's industrial management and engineering, 
it's the program to become a doctor and it's the Stockholm School of Economics. Those are kind of the three toughest uh, educations to enter and to finalize uh, of all. So the, the quality level of the average student is very, very high. And thanks to William, we can source the stars. So for us, it's a great pool to source from, but it's also a great way to early learn the negative skills, which is a key, key knowledge uh, when you exit that program that you actually don't learn in school. No, definitely. And I think a lot of students who, are, who we have recruited now and who I've talked to see that as a big, big plus on the side that you actually get to learn the mm. make discipline because it is mm. unique. It, I mean, you can't learn anywhere anywhere else. So it's it's a mm. very good complement to the the stuff that we learn in school. And I mean, the make discipline mm. is very, very applicable to, to the real life. Um, mm. So yeah, uh, people see that as a very big plus. I see that as a very big plus. And it's very fun to to start like a little a hub, a little community in Lilio with students that can right. talk to each other, have um, have good learnings from each other, and whilst we're doing maybe different stuff for Megadils, it's it's still a small community, which is nice. Yeah, exactly. And I'm personally glad because it's my hometown. Yeah, not biased at all. Not biased at all. <laughs> no, no bias. No bias. Zero bias. Yeah, it's very important. Yeah, no bias doesn't exist. Yeah, it, it's weird that it just happened in Lulia. Well, uh, me, me and Oscar are studying here. From here. Uh, it's very, very, strange, very strange. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, that's super. And I'm coming up soon. So William and I could probably go on for hours talking about these points and many others. But uh, we are wrapping up for today. We have covered a short introduction of William who's leading the bold move up in Lulio at the Industrial Management and Engineering program. We've also covered why Megadis matter to students at that program. I've shared a few learnings I've had from exiting university up until now. William has also shared some of his key learnings during the time at Megadis, and we have introduced the bold move. Thank you everyone for listening. I hope you will listen to more episodes and talk to you soon again.